0: And we are live for the First Strike podcast. Let's plug our sponsor, facefacegames.com, the number one place to get your Magic the Gathering singles this week, 15% off all foil MTG. So if you've been waiting to get your hands on some foil cards, now's the time. Go to facefacegames.com. Tonight we got John, we got Elliot in the house as we talk about the new modern world and, of course, some early uh, Throne of Eldraine spoilers. But the new modern world, uh, it excites me. It really excites me, John, because last week you had talked about maybe joining the bigger mana side, going Valakut, playing that, and I've even s- seen some tweets where people were asking on Twitter, hey, what deck should I play? And then other people were like, yeah, you know, big is good, now play the big mana deck that beats the other big mana decks, play Valakut, so a lot of people repeating your advice, and then it... It culminated in it taking down an M- online MCQ. So I was like, "Whoa, what a profit!" <laughs> what are your thoughts? What are your thoughts?
1: No, I, I definitely got lucky, but uh, I think it speaks volumes that uh, an excellent player who's like you know who's, who's a spike and who's like willing to play anything, who, whose range is very wide, like Ross Ross Merriam, like ditch uh, like his like other pet pets and just like go play, pick up a deck cold. Uh, uh, if, if people don't know, uh, Ross Merriam's also top four of the Star City Games um, uh, Dallas event, and in fact, I believe that Jake Dershimer, who who won the MCQ, tweeted that uh, and thanked Ross Merriam for his list, which was on t- uh, Twitch on Saturday, so he can net back him. So I think it was very cool. Um, I think Big Mana was where, else, where we were supposed to be. Um, if you look at the coverage, it was like all the games are very slow, very grindy, just grinding out your one point one four one incremental advantages. And uh, it's sickened me, but I mean, a lot of people enjoy it. And in a, in a deck like in a format like that, like, just going over the top of everyone's great. So I'm not that surprised.
2: Yeah, Elliot, were you surprised? Uh, I think that the Red Green Valley deck is like borderline heinous, and no one should play it. <laughs> uh. I think that like big man is like usually pretty good um, in these like super mid rangey formats, but like the Valakai deck has trouble against people that are above 18 life. Like yeah, you only need the eighth land, which isn't a big ask, but um, when you have when you have decks pressuring you, it turns into a bigger ask, uh, as well as when like counter magic gets in the mix because you you lose your super fast goldfish potential. So I think the fact that a lot of the decks are playing more and more basic lands, relying on Arkham's Astrolabe for their mana fixing instead of automatically starting every game at like 17 life off of a Fetch and a Shock. And then you have the other mid-range decks um, pressuring you with like early Batter Skulls, which you don't really have a good way to deal with, like unless you want to play like Roast in your main deck or something or Flame Slash, Um, like you're going to be under pressure from a Batter Skull against a lot of the field uh very time raveler is like super played right now and if you ever have a search for tomorrow uh get got you're just like dunzo um so i like despite the fact that it won the ptq and was in the top eight of the open um between the top 32s of all of the events this weekend so that's like the open the classic the ptq the challenge there were only two copies that that was it so uh Coming from someone who's played the deck a lot in the past, I, I think this is not the time.
1: <laughs> and to that, you say what, John? Like, I, I sympathize, Elliot. Like, Valakit and Tron are the two decks that's always tempted me. Every time like, I try to theorize what's good, what's well-positioned in the format, I say, well, it's got to be Tron's time, or it's got to be uh, Storm's time, or it's got to be uh, Valakit's time. And every time I free and test Valakit, I'm always going, like, 35%, 40% win rate, and it just the deck just like, rolls, rolls over sometimes, and it doesn't feel great. Um, I, I do understand the um, point about Stormforge Mystic, but um, eight lands is, like, 36 damage, and that takes, like, one, two, three, four, yeah, four four Stormforge hits, and, like, I understand about the concern about that, but, like, I think the generic, the fundamental turn of Moderns is, like, considerably, like slow down like it's gotta be like five or six to be honest like there's barely any i don't think fast combo is around anywhere right now so like i think you have enough time to have countermeasures i think um veil summer has been a very good addition um blue white used to be very good and then with field of ruin and the planeswalker turned pretty bad like uh, Countermeasures like uh, Carnage Tyrant was okay, but still like susceptible to Wrath and all that. And Veil just gives you pretty good coverage against a, a lot of decks. And I, I I wouldn't be surprised if that like kind of put it like put a meaningful um, uh, bump against the meta game. So I, I still think that it's a pretty good deck, and I'm considering like playing it in the MCQ or um, the Mox playoff um, this Saturday, and my in MC, my MCQ uh, next Saturday. So I, I think it's still good.
2: Yeah, well, the issue with the 8th land is that unless you have a draw involving uh, Prismatic Omen, and I, I can't even really think of the combination of cards that gets you there on turn 4 with that, um, is it, it pushes you back at least one turn. The, the fastest possible Valakut draw to deal 18 damage is turn 4, 7 lands, scapeshift for 18. Um, so having to spend at minimum that extra turn because your opponent's at 19 or 20 or more because of a batter skull. Is actually like super detrimental because these these uh, more often than not these decks are also playing a ton of interaction to back up their Stoneforge. So in like the blue decks, that's going to be spell queller, force of negation, cryptic command, maybe even like mana leak, which isn't isn't the best at that point in the game, but could be logic not instead. Who knows? Um, and then like if if they're instead on a, like a black package, like the white black deck, um, they're going to be playing discard spells, which like historically, the saying goes, you can't Thoughtseize the top of the deck. One of the reasons Scape Shift was so prevalent in Modern for so long is because Jund was one of the better decks, like going back four or five years even, uh, and you'd get into a top deck war where someone would draw a Tarmogoyf and an Inquisition, and you would draw maybe a Mountain and then a, a Primeval Titan. So that's how you gained your percentage points. So not to say that Stoneforge backed up by Thoughtseize is unbeatable, but you're going to find yourself in positions where, because you can't win the game on turn four, you're having trouble against these decks, which h- historically was not the case. Historically, if you had the the turn four kill, you were good. I
1: definitely hear you. I, I just think that like this is to be seen uh, in the next like this is week one of a new format uh, to be clear, but I do think that the fundamental turn has slowed down at least one or two turns, and I do get your concern, but I think um, just like just like. Uh, a big mana deck that trumps other big mana deck is like a very um, attractive pro- proposition to me. So um, I, I do get this. The, I think Stoneforge is pretty positive for Valakai in general, um, just because like you know like they do have the disruption sweep, But even like the six six Trampler is like uh, uh, pretty hard to beat right now um, in in modern. So. Like even that, like I, I realize Escape Shift is only one half of the um win conditions. So I think primeval Titan in general is pretty uh, pretty good right now. I um Francisco Paulo Paula? Francisco I'm sorry, I butcher your name, but um the uh the noted uh, Amulet streamer has been doing quite well with Amulet Titan as well. And that's another big mana deck that, that can potentially have an advantage over the other big mana decks as well as mid-range. So um I, uh, I think macro arch- archetype-wise, like big mana is very good right now, and it might not have to be valid, but I I would like to dwell in the big mana area at the very least and go from there.
0: Um, Felix, who's watching us through my Facebook page, this is live. I'm reading your comment right now. Um, Elliot, do you, do you see potential in some of uh, many of John's past creations? I think we we there was a bit of chat about neoform in in our first strike hosts Facebook chat
2: uh, first, I want to say apologize to Felix. I didn't mean to trash talk scapeshift. I'm innocent. I know he loves that deck, uh, but regarding neoform i I think that John may have like hung it up too quickly in this format. I think that there definitely is an increased uh number of force negations, which could be problematic, uh, which obviously is problematic. But I don't know, maybe there's like a way to like slow the deck down by like a tenth of a turn so that you can get like Veil of Summer be an important card in the postboard games and play like many more copies of that instead of Pact mitigation. Because I think one of the bigger issues against Blue White is that you can have the draws that beat a single piece of interaction but with Pact mitigation, for example, but Veil of Summer is just gonna get them all at once, which is super important, I think. Um, and like I, I don't know john john can speak for himself i don't know if he's even played and a reasonable amount of neoform in the new meta but i think that's yeah zero he gave the, the sign i think like that's the deck you want to start on because uh against the thoughtseize half of stoneforge decks you're going to crush them against the blue based stoneforge decks at the end of the day they only have four force of negations in the 75 max they don't play like that, they don't play that many like, spell pierces. They play some copies of Spell Snare, which can be troubling. Um, but they're going to be tapping out on two as often as they can. Uh, so I think it's like not the end of the world for Neoform. And I'm, I'm sad for my friend that he's, he's not at least trying it.
1: You make a lot of good points there, uh, uh, Elliot. And just to be clear, part of my doom, doom saying is for theatrics, Twitter's theatrics. Um, also, like I, it's a new format. I just want to like I've had so many like bucket list um, decks like <laughs> living in and goblins. I, I always wanted to try, so I felt you know just like let's explore kind of thing. Even like dredge without um, faithless looting which has potential, but it's like has a lot of flaws. I do agree that um, it, it's a plus that like these blue white X decks have gone away from narset and Dobin's veto, which were actually the hardest cards to beat because if you wait to sculpt your hand, Narset is a bomb. But if you, like, jam, it might be, like, uh, Dovin's Dolvin, Veto plus, like, a Force Negation. But for Force decks, that's fine. Like, in Legacy, like, Ant and, uh, and, and test routinely beat Force ne- uh, of wills just through discard. We don't have the luxury to play uh, the interactive, like, discard package. But, you know, we can play a, sl- a slower game and, like, sculpt our hand more with uh, uh, 4 pack negations and two veils summer as well. And... These like big mana decks that I was like previously endorsing like Neoform just like farms them and I'm not sure who said it but I I do agree with the adage that magic is all about for any given week doing the most powerful things from uh, uh, an axis of attack that no one's like no one's thinking about and I was actually looking at Ad Nauseam. Um I thought the deck was dead but some people like Will Pulliam was doing very well and it does make sense in theory that a fast like a fast ish spell combo that doesn't care about the graveyard. Could do well right now, so um, you know I, I'm personally looking at graveyard and combo right now. Even though my heart says, uh, my head says, uh, big mana. Who you knows where it goes? But it's it's week two of a new format. It's dynamic, and uh, I think it's pretty exciting to kind of explore.
0: So, John, just to be clear, just to get uh, people up to speed who might have been just tuning in now, you are highly considering playing uh, Valkyr at your at your next big tournament.
1: So I think big mana is still a very good place to be in. You punish those Stoneforge Mystic decks. Um, Big mana that has game against Burn is actually very good, and that's a unique characteristic that Amulet Titan has always had, whereas uh, valakit and Tron, they're closer now, but there's still a dog to Burn, for example. And people that saw the Star City Games Dallas uh, performance where the Lotus Box guys all crushed with Burn, and Burn was the most represented deck in Day 2. I think people are going to see that, and at the very least burn is going to be on everyone's mind if not people are playing it so i think like amulet if you can play it is in a well a well positioned um spot i think fast combo spell combo if there is one that's good i think that's that's where i want to be ultimately i'm not comfortable with storm and nauseam i gotta I got give it a try but that's, like, the level two for me right now, and I'm not even considering the Stoneforge Mystic decks, except for um, the Andy special, the copycat, uh, Sahili co- copycat deck with Stoneforge Mystic that presents an off-axis plan B. I think I'm interested in that, but otherwise, like, yeah, it's either, like, amulet or big mana or a uh, spell combo that actually, that's actually good, which is, like, uh, it might not exist, but conceptually it makes sense.
0: But did you play Stoneforge when it, when it was in competitively when Stoneforge was in standard, John?
1: No, I didn't play during the Clawblade era. But I've heard horror stories about the mirrors <laughs> and all that, and it's kind of like it kind of sounds like a terrifying standard form.
0: <laughs> that copycat that, that makes me th- makes me think of when you had Stoneforge and and Splinter Twin uh, as as part of uh, a deck. There was like a Jeskai deck that played everything. Um, Twin, Elliot, blade. Yeah, <laughs> Twin blade, yeah, Twin blade. It was, uh, and this is like the modern version. Um, that again, the appeal is that it's insanely good, and also has a combo kill that is also amazing. Uh, Elliot, where, where's your head at when it comes to what would you think would be a good starting point for people who have uh, upcoming important tournaments, especially um, the Toronto MCQ that's coming up
2: in, I, b- I believe, two weeks. So, uh, well, if I had to play a deck, if I had to play a tournament tomorrow, uh, I would probably play the Jessica Copycat deck. Um, I think that it's one of those decks, similar to the devoted Druid decks, where it's now attacking on two angles in a much more effective way. Um, Stoneforge is just like a six-card package to that deck that just gives it um, the ability to win fair games. And it's just like you said, where you ha- you play like with the the Twinblade decks, where you just play like your Stoneforge on two, and you threaten to either put a Battle skull in play or Splinter Twin them, and so they have to like try to kill your Stoneforge or they're just going to die to the twin combo or something. So it really puts your opponent in a bind, um, as well as the cards just synergize well with um, the Stoneforge package. You have Felidar Guardian to reset your Batterskull. You have uh, Sahili that can in, uh, get a, a Stoneforge with haste to put the equipment into play right away, which I think is like actually a really relevant line, uh, especially if you start playing more than one Batterskull, which I've seen some people do. Uh, maybe like a one-one split in the sideboard for when you need to get like super grindy. So I think that's an interesting avenue to explore. Um, outside of that, like where I would go forward, um, I'm kind of intrigued by Ad Nauseum. That's kind of a deck that's always been on my radar, but like is barely missing out on being good for whatever reason. Like there was a while where Is it Phoenix was one of the best decks in Modern, and you you could farm Is it Phoenix with Ad Nauseum every single time, but um there are obviously a bunch of other rough matchups but ad nauseum is one of those decks where if people are playing stoneforge mystic uh you know you don't care about them hitting you with lifelink and going up to 30 life or whatever you're gonna deal i I think it's like 40 or 50 something damage so a well reasonable amount of damage with your combo to win or just lab maniac them obviously um of note we were talking about force of negation being super important for the Neo Brand deck. Uh, it's less effective versus ad nauseum because you can instant speed combo. So you can go off on their turn. You have to use the lightning storm kill then, or at least have like the Jace or um, Lab Mania can play, but it turns their force of negations into cancel. So that's like huge upside for you. Um, <laughs> and as John typed in her chat, it's also not a five for one when you cast a force of negation <laughs> against ad nauseum. Um, although it could be if there's some Lotus Petal or uh, um, Lotus Blooms in play. Who knows? Uh, so yeah, I think those would be like tomorrow I would play Stoneblade. Uh, if I have a couple weeks to repair, I would try out things like Ad Nauseam. I would try to do some, some more combo stuff. I, I can't believe, I don't know, we've been live for like 30 minutes and I'm just now mentioning the War deck that Harlan Führer has been like farming the SCG Tour with. Uh, someone said a stat like his his copy of the deck has made the top eight of every scg open it's it's been played in whether it's in his hands or one time he lent it to someone who top eighted with it so uh, uh this is one of those times where i think it's not just harlan being a master of the deck which he obviously is but this deck's like borderline absurd people tried like the Stoneforge package in it at first but that's just kind of not as good as being devoted to the combo uh, and playing Goblin Engineer, which is a little better, uh, in that regard, at least. So, uh, that's probably another deck I would go to if I have these two extreme fair.
0: John, did you, maybe it wasn't with you, but I think I saw someone interact on Twitter. I think it was you talking to someone who has been having success with, with Ad Nauseam, or am I mistaking you for someone else?
1: Yeah, that's actually Will Pulliam. And, uh, uh, I think it was yesterday when he posted that he was twenty one of four with ad nauseam, and uh he he said like, in like easy easy an easy time farming things and well, Polyam has had um pretty good success in sparsity games uh as well as online just like playing these like off the wall decks um so like I did definitely take notice and like if, if the format is full of burn and Monarch phoenix, which debatable, but burn definitely like Burn is like a buy for ad nauseum, and if uh, if formats are just like super grindy and super slow, the clock is not there with like the band stone blade or the four color stone blade dork, dorky decks or soul herder and whatnot. Then like nothing like very little decks punish nonsense more than ad nauseum, uh, in my opinion. The reason why I think people thought that ad nauseum was dead was because one, I think the power creep was was thought to have left the deck, which. Deba- debatably it is true and two um the two decks that w- which they farmed before were tron and blue white tron gained a very important tool in karn the great creator which can shut off pentap prism and lotus bloom and they can also just like win, win the game through like the lattice lock which i don't know how much it affects them but it's i don't think it's a buy anymore and blue white which i believe also was close to a buy has gained so many tools force negation Dovin's Veto, to fairy time rav to shut off your pack negation, uh, Field of Ruin to shut off your Boseju, who has which has gone from a staple to unplayable. Um, and like cards like Jace, who which lets you like keep your card advantage up and it's like a very lethal uh, win condition. So I think that matchup went from a buy to slightly unfavorable now. So that's why people uh, they stopped seeing play, in addition to Grixis Shadows being being uh, a deck but there's a lot of slow, unremarkable uh, mid-range decks right now all centered around Stoneforge Mystic. So I think Stonef- uh, I think Ad Nauseam actually could be good. It's worth testing for sure, and I'm going to test.
0: Um, one, one last thing before we switch, we, we met, uh, mentioned it at the tail end of, of last episode, and I had planned it to be the bulk of my Table for Two podcast, which is about thoughts and considerations that people don't think about when choosing a deck, And John, you became a huge part of that episode, and I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it and that you agreed with a lot, if not everything we said. So where where would you use this type of discussion uh, moving forward? Would nauseum fit into a high variance type deck where you have really good matchups and maybe not so good, maybe perhaps a, a decent fail rate? Would this fit in that if I want to win a tournament type deck, would you put that in that category?
1: So I think Ad Nauseam's uh, distribution of um, fail and success cases are a bit flatter, meaning that um, even if you don't do anything for a while, you have enough cantrips and scries and all that, you'll eventually get there more often than not. Whereas the Neuroform's neoform, uh, profile of uh, outcomes are very polar. Like maybe 70% of the times you win by turn five and 30% of the times you just don't win, period, and you get sent to a shadow realm. Um, in terms of matchups, um, I, I think it does have a lot of, like, lopsided matchups. Um, but the lopsided matchups are pretty few in between, I think. Um, Jund is, tr- has traditionally been a uh, predator to Ad Nauseam, but the change from Dark Confidant, Confidant to Ren, I think, helps greatly. Um, I think, like, that matchup is, like, close to even now. Uh, Grix's Shadows is still uh, unwinnable, so don't bother. Um, Infect is still around, but in less uh, less numbers. That matchup is still unwinnable. Don't play things like Dark Darkness, just punt it. But otherwise, like there are also buys like uh Valicant, for example. Valakut can never beat uh, Ad Nauseum. Uh uh Burn and like any like dorky three-color like mid-range decks that can't kill ASAP. Like they, they just get farmed by Ad Nauseam. So it does have uh it, it does have like volatile like form uh matchup spreads but in a good way and it does have a good floor because of the cantrips and whatnot so you won't feel as bad as you would if you if you keep failing <laughs> with neoform. So that's that's also a consideration. I'm not kidding like some people just don't want to play neoform because they don't want to feel the feel bad of just like drawing nothing when you're one card away for like 10 turns whereas nauseum that's like very unlikely to have.
0: Right. And and Elliot mentioned that like with other decks it's just a different type of feel bad and then um like, Jund, if, if you don't rip your your thoughtsies or whatever in, in a diff, in a certain situation, or you don't curve out in a, in a specific way in a, a certain matchup, uh, where, where would you put Valakut in that spectrum? Would you consider it a, a deck with a high variance uh, that would allow you to spike a tournament?
2: I definitely don't think it's as extreme as either Neoform or Ad Nauseam, but it's sort of approaching that when you compare it to a deck like Jund. Um, it obviously has its very good matchups like Jund, but On the other side, you're—I don't want to say zero percent—but it like burn is an awful matchup. Um, like infect is like really not that good. Um, but at the end of the day, also uh, of the decks we've sort of mentioned in this regard of uh, super variable matchups, uh, Valakit can play a lot with how it's built to affect that. Um, There's a lot of people going around that will play like no interaction a bunch of hour of promises and try to be a goldfish deck there's people who play like four bolt and then maybe another interaction spell like anger of the gods in the main deck some people will play a utility creature to summoner's pack for whether that's tireless tracker or obstinate bail will help in variety of matchups, obviously um so there the valica deck does have a lot more play to it uh which can kind of swing that in whichever favor you want but i think that you kind of get less bailed out by your deck in the bad matchups when you're playing valakit one of the draws to playing neoform is that even if you play against your theoretical worst matchup it's possible to turn one kill them and the same is sort of true for ad Nauseam, which isn't as fast but has potential to gold three uh, turn three goldfish kill people uh so you know even if you're playing your worst possible playing against in fact if they have a turn three killer on the draw or maybe a bit slower hand you can kill them it's it's not impossible to win so versus the other hand uh you know valak it's gonna have a lot more trouble doing that
0: all right we've got a shout out from peace in the chat for tropical merfolk i saw uh nikachu tweeting this week looks like he might be trying to integrate stoneforge mystic in uh in a, a new merfolk list and calling it stonefolk so i'm, I'm curious to see if uh we see more folk make make any bit of noise. It's it's probably it's likely going to randomly win a tournament as it usually does. Um, but shout-outs to P Sam's and uh, so with that said, let's let's get into some of the Throne of the Eldrin stuff. Um, John uh, posted in our private message us about the trailer when, when it came out. I watched it. I loved it. I loved how they're doing the trailers uh, recently. Last time it was. Lincoln Park themed, and now we have like a Shrek themed type trailer. And I imagine it's going to start uh, trending and doing well on YouTube as well. So that gives a lot of eyeballs onto Magic. So I'm always happy when that happens. Um, Elliot, your, your first impressions? Uh,
2: I think the set's really interesting. I definitely love the trailer. I think it's super cool that they're doing these now. Uh, you know, other than the core set, you know, if you exclude that, this is kind of the second one in a row we've had for a story driven set. So uh, it definitely gets more eyeballs on the game and gets people excited. Um, in terms of the actual set, I think the mechanic adventure is super cool. Um, I hope that there's like some more playable cards. I think so far the cards haven't been too fantastic. Order of Midnight, which is the Gravedigger-esque card, I think is going to be exceptionally limited, but past that, who knows. Um, I am, however, like sort of confused by the set because there's so many cards that are in... Just the Planeswalker decks. I have no idea like what's what at this point, so it's hard to get a good grasp on spoiler season. I know that like as the cards were coming out earlier today, as we were getting screen grabs from the Arena client, I, I think I got excited about like the first few Night Tribal cards, but then there was just like fifty of them, so that kind of gets boring. So I kind of hope the set uh, like some of those cards are not in the main set, so it's not just like Night Tribal versus Fairy Tribal that's the the sealed format or whatever um but i'm i'm definitely excited there's like some really cool cards uh i'm really looking forward to the limited format because i think that the adventure cards are going to play a, like a much bigger role there than they will at any time in constructed just because of the adventure sort of working a little bit like evoke a little bit like kicker um which obviously will play out more in Limited just the fact that the games tend to go longer
0: like, actually Elliot, one thing like the, the introduction of food tokens in Throne I tweeted out that I hope food does better than, than bricks and I don't remember when you joined the show Elliot, but when when we spoke Corey Hauler um, I was excited for the brick mechanic Um because I we we spoiled that along with I believe Pyramid of the Pantheon. And I didn't maybe I didn't play enough limited that format because I thought they were gonna do something cool where bricks were gonna like, I don't know, build your house of some sort. Didn't really feel the flavor of that mechanic, felt like it was a waste, even though I think P. Sam's thought said he loved bricks and, and he tagged you. Um I'm, I'm hoping food feels uh, more flavorful and, and I remember it more fondly after playing the set.
2: Well, I mean, on like the two cards we have spoiled so far that use the food counters, they seem infinitely more <laughs> useful than brick counters. <laughs> <laughs> Even just that, that rare they spoiled on the, on the first day the gilded goose. That seems like a really interesting card. It's like a bird of paradise once. Uh, and then you can pay some man into it, make food tokens interestingly like in the late game it's just four mana gain three life every turn which can help edge out some games so um that card's pretty sweet i hope there's more ways to use and importantly make multiple food outside of brawl there are some cards spoiled that that like care about only the make them for like the number of opponents you have which is obviously super cool for brawl do whatever you want there i don't care but um, i'm hoping they have some sort of application in standard.
0: John, before we get into this, some of the specific cards, let's just get a, a few words from you for for your first impressions of the set, of the flavor.
1: See, personally, I, uh, people have been complaining about, hey, you know, like wizards, why don't you like release the full mechanics rather than have people speculate about what adventure is all about and what the themes are all about. But I, I personally kind of uh, enjoyed uh, how they've handled this pre uh, pre release here, the previous season, like you know, just like teasing us with like, you know, cool looking cards here and there. Like, I think the design is awesome. And I think the uh, the video was uh, very humorous and, you know, <laughs> it's not taking itself too seriously, which I like. Uh, as That that still introduces the theme. And I particularly like the card design. Like it, it, like the uh, adventure cards look a bit uh, look gorgeous, which I think it's like, wow, it's, uh, that's a new design. It might be a bit confusing on Arena. I'd love to see how they're going to do it but it looks very, very cool. And this kind of, like, reminds me of, like, you know, I think we've had, like, the Gatewatch fatigue, to, uh, to be honest, here. Um, ever since, like, I've started playing near, like, Shadows of Innistrad, it's all about the same story, same planes, et cetera, et cetera. But this is, like, a complete, uh, complete, like, throwback, you know? Like, we forget that Magic the Gathering is, like, a fantasy uh, fantasy card game, and this, like, kind of, like, puts an a explanation mark, exclamation mark on that, and... The flavor seems great. Some of the artwork seems like amazing <laughs> food. Like there's a goose, there's a glass slipper, and all that. It's just like it, it kind of appeals to like the kid in uh, in you that is playing this like kids' uh, children's card game. So uh, from the first look, <laughs> of it, like it looks really, it looks really, really cool. And you know, like it, it's probably gonna get me more interested in like playing a limited, uh, limited uh, format or at least a standard format just because like it has my attention right now. Okay, so if people in chat want us to
0: go over some specific cards, do so now, because we're just going to pick a few. Um, start with uh, some Planeswalker love. Garak, Cursed Huntsman. Uh, six mana, four colors, green and a black. Starts with five loyalty, it's zero ability. Create two, two, two black and green wolf creature tokens. With when this creature dies, put a loyalty counter on each Garak you control. Minus three, destroy target creature, draw a card. So it can come in and, and, and kill a guy right, right off the bat. And minus six, you get an emblem with creatures you control, get plus
2: three, plus three, and have trample. And uh, are, are you gentlemen excited about this card? Hell yeah. Uh, it's it's very much in the Obnixless Reignited template of right. uh, plus one card advantage, minus three, kill a thing, ultimate, you know, less, less than some of the others, but ultimate win the game. Um, and... I'm I'm famous for having never used hyperbole or exaggerated at all in my entire life, but this card's basically Elspeth's son's champion. <laughs> uh, obviously, a little worse than that, but um, the fact that it makes two <laughs> bodies, I think, is like super relevant because you get less punked out by like a single removal spell to kill your your cool planeswalker. Um, the fact that it can destroy like any creature and draws a card is like you know a plus two. So that's super relevant as well. I think, you know, the fact that we have Vraska rotating, which fit a similar role, um, not that Vraska is particularly playable towards the end of its life in Standard, but uh, this does a good a good job of filling what gap may open up in the black green decks. I think it's significantly better than Ugin, um, the Ineffable, if you're already in black and green. Um, even though it seems pretty similar. Like, Ubians just misses misses the ability to end the game immediately, which this has. Um, I'm, I'm just super... Ex- I was super excited about this, and I was joking with friends that, like, th- this is Elspeth Sun's champion. And then, of course, maybe to spoil something we're going to talk about later in the show, but the next set we're going to is Theros, and they specifically mention the Underworld. So if we don't get an Elspeth Sun's champion... Or sorry, just an Elspeth in general in the next theros set. I'll eat a first strike T-shirt live on air. <laughs> Thoughts on Garrick,
0: John.
1: Just looks like a staple in standard. Like it's, I know it's six mana, and I realize that Liliana Dreadhorde general didn't see as much play as we thought, but. I just think this is like a mid range breaker. Uh, people were talking about on the uh, MTG MPG legacy uh, Reddit about how this is the Nick Fit card, with the joke being that every fatty high mana cost card is a Nick Fit card. But yeah, th- this definitely seems very promising and like like I am not gonna talk I'm not gonna add too much more to the actual analysis as uh <laughs> after Elliot, but I- it's also very good uh cool to see Garrick finally um Finally, got show up again, and people were asking, you know, in War of Spark, where the hell's Garrick? And you know, they said they had a plan, and they did. So it's pretty exciting. Here's a good
0: question from ch- from chat for you, John. Do you think the food tokens will be edible in the premium packs?
1: <laughs> if it's not, then I will riot.
0: I mean, it'd be awesome. Um, Thoughts on Midnight Clock if a control deck exists? So Midnight Clock is three mana artifact, one blue, two colorless. When you tap it, it adds a blue mana. Just like a mana rock. Uh, two colors in a blue for an ability. To, that's put an hour counter on Midnight Clock. At the beginning of each upkeep, put an hour counter on Midnight Clock. When a 12-hour counter, love the flavor, is put on Midnight Clock, shuffle your hand and graveyard into your library, then draw seven cards. Exile Midnight
2: Clock.
1: Hmm. Have
2: either- John, do you want to call this one unplayable or should I? <laughs>
1: I think the flavor is so freaking cool. Um, this type of card, I, I I just really need it to be like lower cost, so I can just like plop this and set up camp like really early before your opponent can interact with it, kind of thing. This being three mana, probably probably not a thing. And I don't think like the payoff is like strong enough to do like comboing like co- comboy things in eternal eternal formats. So probably not playable. But I'm happy to hear otherwise if you think. So.
2: Someone's going to build a really cool brawl deck with it. And that's the extent of the play it'll see.
0: It's just so expensive. Do you even, like, you don't even play this in limited because it's so slow?
2: Uh, If the limited format's really slow enough, this is, like, a worst case bad manolith. So if if it's, like, super, super slow where you want the ramp spell and then, like, maybe you regas up at the end, then, like, it's okay. So I wouldn't totally write it off, but man. If I open Midnight Clock instead of like <laughs> there's there was like a blue rare that's maybe Planeswalker deck only but it's something like 5 mana 5/4 five, flyer with 4 mana make a 1/1 one, one draw card. Like if I open 35. Midnight Clock instead of that, what am I doing here?
0: <laughs> um the thing I think about the some of the adventure cards um, my friend, I uh, guess we had on the show, Pascal Maynard tweeted like how do you how can you make uh, a game less likely to be good on mobile, create a card that's that's essentially two cards and, and John uh, mentioned it when he we talked about them, how he was curious about how he would, they would look on arena um, but but now I'm gonna throw this out here. like do you actually think it's in their plans to ever port to mobile as someone that again uh, Elliot would know this. I, I'm playing Teamfight fight tactics like crazy, and there's this strong team fight tactics crowd, and this strong over underlords crowd that says, "Well, underlords on mobile, that's why it's better." But me now, now that I've been playing it a lot, I just feel like some experiences, I'm okay with it sticking to the desktop. I, I actually don't think I I care that much if magic never comes. To mobile i don't know if that's a hot take but uh elliot your thoughts like like with these cards that they're designing like and how the game is do you think it's ever
2: going to into mobile Uh, i think that the fact that there's these cards uh, doesn't really play too much into how it's going to work on mobile we already had like during the beta at least we had the aftermath cards which uh you know is already super confusing There's like split cards, which these could function similarly to on Arena. I I know that um, the brawl decks are already live, so maybe people are already casting aftermath card or um, adventure cards, and it works differently. But there's no reason why you can't just like dragly. You're gonna cast the spell, then pick which half you're gonna do. It's not that complicated um in terms of how it works on mobile i think that the scope of magic is way too big to do it on mobile uh when you look at a game like hearthstone it's very well confined to i think you have like seven board spots you have a max hand size of nine nothing ever gets bigger than that uh versus magic you have potential infinite combos even in standard you have decks that are going to make 30 tokens and you're going to have to be like scrolling on your phone for eight years just to select all your attackers. And that's not even with this like potentially complex mechanic. So I, I think that Magic is doomed to be cards and desktop, and uh, at the very least, this won't be what kills its chance of being a mobile game.
0: Uh, John, I just don't think they, they'll ever, they have plans to, to port it ever, almost. Um, John, do you, do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Well, in a vacuum, I think like the next growth area, growth area that's like a natural conclusion would be the mobile uh, mobile uh, platform. But you, uh, Elliot makes a good point there. Like magic is a lot more complex and the the range of outcomes or get outboard states is just like so wide because of its complexity. You know, can you imagine playing Neoform on the on the? Like, <laughs> what what you are you doing? Draw like eighty eighty car you draw like sixty cars and you can't even see half of it. <laughs> um, or you know, if you're making like infinite like copycat combos and you can't see, and you know, your your phone might bug out or whatnot. I think there, I think it might not be possible because like there's like te- uh, technical like limitations. So. Like, even though it, I think it's cool, and I think it's like Hearthstone, if, with Hearthstone and other prominent games being on mobile, um, that it would only make sense for Magic to be on mobile. Like I accept that there might just be limitations that would prevent it, and uh, it, it won't be in their plans like for a long time, if ever, which is unfortunate. But I can see that being the case.
0: I think case Scenario, I hope they come up with some sort of mobile game that brings people... To the brand To the core game And, and that's at, at it's core That's what we want I'm sure John is just more players Playing Magic Because that's good For people like us That's good for everyone um, what, What's that What's that line of Tide rises all boats I guess And so I really do Feel that way um, But But again uh, With now my experience with, with Team Fight And Underlords I'm just like I don't, I don't actually care I just want to play what, what I Love to play On, on my desktop and, and that's fine And and I reserve my mobile experience time uh, time with, like, Twitter and tweeting at you and <laughs> Facebook chat, and, and that's good. That's, that's good for that stuff. Um, well, let's go through another card. Um, Oko, Thief of, of Crowns, Simic card. Three mana, one colorless, one green, one blue. Planeswalker, Oko plus two create uh, starts with four loyalty counters plus two create a food token plus one target artifact or creature loses all abilities and becomes a green elk creature with base power and toughness three three and minus five exchange control of target artifact or creature you control and target creature and opponent controls with power three or less John any early impressions on this yeah
1: yeah, uh Twitter user liam m t g um first or to me anyways, first uh pointed out the combination with uh, Dreadhorde invasion and this and you know these are two mana and three mana cards. And if you can get if you can play a turn two invasion and turn three uh oko, then you have like you you have like infinite four fours or not infinite, but you get a four-four every turn, which is kind of a cool, cool interaction. Um like I, I kind of like that They're pushing these like three mana planeswalkers, and I think they're starting to learn um, that uh, to not push them too much or it'll ruin everything. And I think they arguably violated that with Narset and Kaferi. But um, this just looks this looks interesting. It's a fair one. Um, I'm not sure how good it'll be in standard, but that particular interaction with the Dreadhorn Invasion definitely uh, piques my uh, interest. Uh, if not, if nothing else.
0: Elliot, are there any cards that you want to talk about? Uh, well we already talked about Daddy Gary. I mean, so actually, actually, does Oko go into people. tropical Merfolk? That's what P Sam's wants wants to know.
2: Uh, there's no way to improve tropical Merfolk from where it is currently. <laughs> there's no need for this.
0: Okay. No, <laughs> is that because it's perfect. <laughs> I
2: I tried to talk to P Sam's. I thought, you know, someone posted a blue white stone blade merfolk, and I thought, what if we have the Bant, Stoneblade, Tropical Merfolk, Tropical Bant, Blade Merfolk, and I got shut down. It's already perfect. Why do you need to add another color? It's useless. Stoneforge, not even a Merfolk. Batterskull makes germs, not Merfolk. What's the point?
0: Johnny, uh, other cards you um, want to talk car, about? You're, car, you're muted. I don't no, know. no, no, no. I'm not. I, I'm, my I'm, bad. I'm just trying to control my volume with you guys and the volume through Twitch, and uh, I forgot to click it for the Twitch one. Uh, we'll be, we'll be fo- fixed post-editing, hopefully. Um, John, did you want to talk about anything else, like this Royal Signs
1: card, if, if you've seen it? Yes, that is precisely the card I was looking at. Um, so the Royal Scions is uh, one blue-red uh, Planeswalker, five loyalty, which is very high for a three-mana Planeswalker, plus one draw card and discard a card, so loot. That's great. Plus one, target creature gets plus two, plus oh, and gains first strike and trample until end of turn, Low Death Shadow. Uh, minus eight. You draw four cards, and when you do, this card deals damage to any target equal to the number of cards in your hand. Um, so, as I said, I like that they are pushing like these uh, three mana planeswalkers, and I like that the mana and the color requirements pretty restrictive. So, not all decks like Narsa, for example, can readily play it. Just like is a Phoenix did or blue white did, for example. Um, I, I think I think there's something here. i I can't quite. I can't put quite put my finger on it. But three mana, five, um, five loyalty that can go up to six is it's already high. And people people criticize the the uh, card for not having the ability to protect itself. But the high loyalty, I think, is a form of protection by itself. Um, the repeatable repeatable loot is pretty good. You know, like you know, uh, my friend Warren has been working on uh, uh, blue red living in. It might be good there as a grindy engine. It might be, uh, it might be good in like uh, Grisho brand or something. Like I know graveyard, I know uh, WotC banned graveyard decks, but maybe it, maybe I'm wrong. I just think that for three man, I haven't repeated loot, uh, loot engine. It's like very exceptional. Uh, I don't know what the show is yet. Um, the first uh, shell that I that came to my mind was Grix shadows because they already play. Uh, Jay Sprint's prodigy as a grindy planeswalker, and the uh, First Strike and Trample, they're not double strike like Team of Battle, right? I think, I still think it can be pretty good here. I talked to, uh, I asked a noted Shadows uh, specialist, who won the Modern Challenge last week, actually, uh, with Shadows, uh, a- Ari. Uh, Zax, I'm sorry if I butcher your name, and he he thinks like other people. Uh, everyone who thinks this card is playable in Shadows is insane. Three mana versus two is a lot in an 18 land deck, and it's not double strike, which is like all reasonable points. But I kind of feel like there's a lot of potential with this deck, just like through raw power level and the fact that it's three mana. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if it's like a staple in Standard, and if it's like uh, if it becomes a player in uh, actually Modern as well. So that's my take good take good
0: take Um, I I just think I've got some some people on on Facebook saying this is I I think they're talking about this card seal playable like how how annoying would it be to face this card in limited I mean, I already hate, uh, in the old days, I hate having, when, when we discovered, when people discovered how good Merfolk Gluter effects are, uh, it, it's just annoying to see it continually
1: go on. And, like, how do you even kill this thing <laughs> if it drops on turn three? It's a, it's a turn three, six loyalty planeswalker. That, by itself, is very hard to kill, and it'll just keep drawing into action, which I think is very good. <laughs> in limited, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a bomb.
2: Yeah, it's just, no, no, no this is a super bomb. I mean... Sealed, I, the sealed playable might be the most <laughs> accurate thing said about this card on the stream so far. <laughs> this is... This is retard.
0: Well, this is ridiculous. Is what I
2: want to say. Um, if, if this sees any play in standard, I'll also eat a First Strike shirt live on air. <laughs> Whoa. It's <mean>, so bad. <laughs> Did, Did you me- get that card? Okay, so first of all... It's
0: pretty high loyalty. I... I uh... Well we can't wait for the top I can't wait for the top
2: 5 list but but go ahead Elliot. Okay, so I I'm actually I so we're losing Enigma Drake, keeping Crackling Drake, I believe. Um so there's like not and I guess we keep Arclight Phoenix, but there's not that like many ways to abuse this in standard. We like historically like the, the decks that want to be looting are not the decks that want to be giving things first strike and trample and plus two plus oh so they're kind of really at odds there uh and then on top of that like you're gonna minus eight your planeswalker to kill a thing and draw four cards that sounds really great except it's happening on like turn eight if your planeswalker survived that long so I, I think this is like borderline a pipe dream to ultimate it because again it doesn't protect itself it doesn't ha- it doesn't even like create mana or anything um, I think if you're if you want to play like a crackling drake deck or as p sams has reminded me in the twist chat niv mizzet ever heard of it why are you just playing the three mana chandra that card protects itself and does other things that benefit your strategy I just think that like better cards than this exist better cards than this have existed and it's awful. Jace Fern's Prodigy exists in the Grixis Dash Shadow Decks not because it loots, but because it provides additional card advantage. You you flip your Jace Fern's Prodigy because you fill your graveyard up quickly, and then you cast your important spells back. You cast your Fatal Push again. This just loots and turns a land into, I don't know, a Mistress Bobble or something. <laughs> like, lo- like, looting isn't powerful.
1: Uh, I think in the right context, it's very powerful, but without Faithless Looting, like, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure there are decks that does want a, a good density of this, like for a graveyard combo or something like that. I realize that three mana is a lot in um, in, in uh, modern, but um, this is like the first of its repeatable effect. And like I understand that a lot of decks do not want the plus the uh, plus the first strike ability with the loot ability, but I would just like think of it as uh, gravy rather more than anything here. And yeah, like. I, I just think like a repeatable three mana looting effect that has other uh, benefits. There's gotta be something there. Like I I don't know off the top of my head. Like Shadows was one uh, one, but I just yeah, I, I can see the reasons for not for that card not to be good there, but I I, I do feel like there's use there somewhere. I just can't put my finger on it.
2: Also, to bring up the like Jace Fern's Prodigy thing again, I played a lot of that card in Standard, and you would play decks with Jace Fern's Prodigy that played 12 or more Fetchlands. And there was absolutely nothing worse than having to loot three times with Jace. If you ever had to loot that many times, the game was over because it sucks so much. You needed to be flipping that thing immediately and getting your advantage out of it. Like, I don't know. I, I, maybe this is the type of card you just have to, like, Play with to either understand how awful it is, or have like a, some super great context of, for this card to be playable. Man, it sucks.
1: To be clear, I don't think this is a fair, uh, fair card. Like, I, I, I want to be doing something fair with it. I'm not. I'm honestly not sure what it is. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's dredge. No, no that, that's too junky. I don't know. I'll figure it out. I'm pretty sure. I want. I want to work on it. But the what, wizards once again did ban all graveyard decks, so. Brewing with the graveyard is harder. Thank you, Wizard of the Coast, but you can't keep a good uh, graveyard mage down. Too. Long.
0: Oh man, Ellie, you you put on a a very good case. Like I, you've convinced me. You've convinced me that um, just by looking at it now, that it's not it's not as good as I think it is. But damn, do I not want to face this unlimited? <laughs> For oh, sure. for
2: sure. This card's a nightmare. <laughs>
0: it's like, damn. I, I hate really early drops that are hard to deal with. And uh, this is just one one of hopefully not too many in this format. Um, well, it's Mythic, at least. I um, think that will do. Okay, well, maybe we'll comment. They announced the upcoming sets of 2020 on, on Twitch stream. Um, Theros Beyond Death, Iconia, Lair of uh, Behemoths, Core Twenty Twenty One, and Zendikar Rising. So, going back to Zendikar again, um, I think I mean every every Zendikar set has been sweet. So, we're really looking forward to it. I'm really loving again the direction of this particular set. I think it's going to. Maybe attract a demographic of gamers uh, that that have never paid attention to, to Magic before with that trailer with the gingerbread thing because some of the past art I feel um, when when I think about how my li- my wife recently actually who, who never plays video games but. Because Esports Central opened, we we tried League of Legends, and she got hooked because she got hooked to some of the female characters in the game and how they look, how they're branded. And I think like this gingerbread trailer really like that's where I'm thinking about that, that it could attract people that might not like the whole darkness vibe of you know and and the the sexy Liliana and and Chandras of, of the past and stuff like that and might gravitate towards something. A little more cute, even though, of course, the the ending of that trailer isn't exactly like the, the cutest. Not everything is all happy sunshine, sunshine and rainbows. But uh, I do see a lot of positive of going different direction with the set, and I'm really looking forward to it. Um, any any anticipation from you, Elliot, on on the upcoming sets? Like, do you care?
2: Uh, well, I am super excited for the Elspeth. <laughs> That's coming, and if it's not coming again, I'm I'm now I'll eat two shirts now. <laughs> uh, but I, I think it's actually super cool that you brought that up because I didn't really think about it. But the War of the Spark trailer video, as exciting as it was for Magic players, it's kind of kind of sucks if you know nothing about the game. Like we thought it was super cool because we know that Liliana is typically one of the good guys, and you know she was fighting back, getting her power to fight against Nicol Bolas who. You know, like, I don't know it from, from like 10 feet away, not knowing anything about magic, it kind of seems like just, just filled with like superhero tropes. And you, you're like, when you're not really invested, it's nothing. Versus looking at this trailer, there's almost nothing purely magic related. Like, yes, as fans, we know that that's Garrick and that's super exciting that he's back, but you don't need to know it's Garrick to get the idea that he's some big bad guy. So I, I think it's super cool. And I think it could definitely draw people in. Um, I think that I think it's kind of lame that we're doing like two revisits again next year right. with Theros and Zendikar. I, like I don't, obviously we, we have no idea what's on their plate for their future after that, but uh, It's always fun, like as we're talking about getting excited about this new adventure mechanic and like this is a new world. People were super hyped to hear we were getting fairies back in this new world. That's going to be like super exciting, and it kind of sucks that we're only getting one new world next year. Again, I'm I'm not someone who's super invested in the lore, so maybe people who are on that side of magic care more about going back to planes like Zendikar and Theros, where we have an established story and are following up and learning new things, but. Uh, some of the return sets can get a little boring, I find. Uh, You know, like, they teased a little bit about the Zendikar one, and apparently the flavor's super similar to the original Zendikar in Worldwake, and it's, like, post-Eldrazi, they've kind of dealt with that, so I don't know exactly how they're going to, like, be original Zendikar flavor without just rehashing original Zendikar, so, I mean, I'll leave the flavor to them, and I'll just ignore the flavor text on the cards
0: p sounds mentions the pre-order sleeve cosmetic for arena is a gingerbread lady and he's here for it and then yeah uh, i mean i only bring this i only bring a uh, league into this a lot just because again it's it's like the first game video game that that my wife has got hooked into since since she's just been a consistent 100 percent tetris player her entire life and and she got hooked on league because um, as stereotypical as it sounds, she bonded with the the female characters in the game misfortune uh jinx and and how the characters don 't exactly look i mean it 's not it 's girly enough for her it 's not just like half naked chicks like like shadowverse that 's what they do they have that they try to get that crowd and and i don 't know my 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 wife gravitated towards these characters and and I think um, that 's something i didn 't think about before about what can make draw someone into the game and and because i don 't play magic i 've never played magic because I love Jace or associated myself with Garrick or any of these characters i 'm like you I never cared about the lore I just cared about how good the game is and and how good the strategy. so I was blinded to the fact that some players do care, and um, it opened my eyes just to to see when <laughs> when uh, players uh don't show Oko to my wife. Got it. Uh, one-one players uh, might be drawn because of the art, because of these other things. I can't relate to that, but now uh, I'm beginning to see that way more. All right. Um, I think I think we're good. Uh, John, any anything? What's next for you? What's that big tournament you have upcoming?
1: Well, we actually have a pretty packed uh, Mask online. Um, Weekend on the Saturday there is a legacy mocks prelim and'm probably going to play on it um, even though I haven't played legacy in a while because I have too many uh, too many qualifying points as well as the modern uh, modern format playoffs which is kind of exciting I love to love to uh qualify for the modern finals with all the other modern ringers and then on Sunday there's going to be the uh, modern PTQ as well so um, it's going to be packed and then next weekend it's going to be the seattle uh, mcq so uh, a lot of a lot of modern exploration uh in the next two weeks and hopefully i get to solve the format somewhat
0: right elliot what's what's the next thing for you
2: uh well i was hoping to avoid playing the sunday mcq that's modern but i might be hooked into that uh, and then the next weekend for me is uh, Syracuse, which is Legacy. So <laughs> I'll have to find another modern deck to play on the Sunday as well.
0: Oh, man, just cry the SDGs, man. Uh,
2: well, Syracuse is like four hours, so how can I turn it down? <laughs> Unfortunately, there's no fogo to chow in Syracuse, but we've already lined up some food. We're in good hands. Uh, and I'm, for that, I'm, I'm currently planning on playing Blue Black Death Shadow, which I think is one of the best decks in legacy right now it kind of preys on all of the combo decks and also has a good rug matchup. So I'm looking forward to getting wastelanded out of existence and hating myself. Where, where
0: is this online or in real life? The Sunday one. Uh, this Sunday is online. that's online. Okay. Um, well, this, this weekend is also the Edmonton, the face face games.com Edmonton open. So go check that out. If uh, you haven't heard about it yet. And in two weeks in September, 14th, that's going to be the MCQ face to face games. Toronto is hosting that. So, looking forward to seeing who wins that one. Um, Car,
1: I, 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 I also believe that in two weeks, it's going to be uh, the face to face Victoria, if I'm not mistaken.
0: It's coming up. It's coming soon. Uh, the face to face games, uh, Victoria Open. Uh, let me pull it up there. Um, it's coming up soon actually yeah it's the same weekend it's actually in two weeks as well on the 14th same weekend as the MCQ in Toronto then we follow that like September is busy for face-to-face games the 7th Edmonton 14th Victoria the 21st we're hosting both Winnipeg and London so lots of lots of cool modern tournaments happening around and be interesting to see the conclusions that that John ends up on and and what Elliot ends up playing as well Um, again to support the show like subscribe especially subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app you can go to patreon.com slash first Strike as well uh if you want to support us that way and um i think i think that's all oh yeah i just wanted elliot to recap the multiple ways that he's going to eat a shirt before we, we okay. give it call it
2: a show so if the royal scion sees like real play and standard i'll eat a shirt and if there's no elspeth uh card in the next Theros set i'll eat two shirts so three potential shirts to be eaten (laughs) and i'm gonna set up a p.o box so the viewers can send me their shirts to eat
0: (laughs) well actually okay one one last thing non-mtg talk we can get to some some other fun stuff the upcoming nfl season i haven't started restarted the league but i think i will do it i'm gonna set up the the Page tomorrow because it's the start of the for, like the opening game is tomorrow. Bears against Green Bay, but the first week of the DFS weekly will be on. It's every Sunday. It's only Sunday only, so I don't have to worry about that, but with people getting uh, excited about the NFL season, I think it's going to be a good time to see how many people are interested in running it back. It's going to be something like $25 uh, Canadian to enter. Um, and then it's going to be first, second, third uh, at the end. And basically you make a team every week and you get points. And then at the end, first, second, third win. And I'm going to make change the format a little where if you, you're going to win part of the prize pool every Sunday if you win. If you're the winner of every week. And I think that makes it intriguing for everyone every week. And even at the near the end of the season when some people are completely out of it, they can at least win something. And I just wanted to hear Elliot and John, just like Top Eight Magic would would talk about debate over NBA all the time. Some some NFL trash talk here. Uh, what's what's uh, what's a good bet uh, tomorrow night, John? The line you said was uh, minus three,
1: plus three. Chicago minus three. Uh, I think Green Bay is on the road. Uh, Aaron Rodgers week one against a younger, inexperienced quarterback. Um, I think they're pretty evenish on the Super Bowl odds as well, and I just think that you know, Aaron, I, I would just put my money on the good quarter, a uh, very experienced Hall of Famer quarterback. And uh, I know someone in this uh, in this chat does not agree, but um, put it on the board because I'm gonna win that
2: one. Collectively, before the show went live, we could name three players on the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Uh, and I can name the most important player on the Bears, which is Khalil Mack. And he's going to carry them. I, they're going to win by like 30 or something, I'm sure. <laughs> but at the very least, they'll cover a three-point spread. <laughs> All right.
0: We're going to have top five thrown bell Drain when, when the full set is spoiled. And we're going to maybe have some weekly NFL um, battling going on between Ellie and John that I'm looking forward to. I can't wait for tomorrow night's game. I'm excited. Uh, now with these two guys picking sides, even more excited, Bears gets Packers and to see the first strike private chat going off when the Bears win by over 30. All right. Um, I'm confident about it, but I, I'm not going to eat a shirt.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Follow me on Twitter. Follow these guys on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter if you want more details about how to join the, I guess, the first strike Uh, KYT whatever NFL uh, DFS League and I will be tweeting about it tomorrow so with that good episode thank you guys for joining us and uh, we will talk to you all next week peace